Hi, I'm Rachel Hadley Leonard. I'm a Southwest Coast Path Association volunteer, and I'm also a Southwest Coast Path completer. And hi, I'm Aletha. I am head of comms at the Southwest Coast Path Association. So this episode is being recorded during Mental Health Awareness Week, and it's all about the impact that the Southwest Coast Path has on mental health and well-being. And once again, we've got some fantastic guests lined up for you. So, Aletha, if you could just tell us a little bit about our guests, please. Yes. So first off, you will be talking with Carolyn Peterson, who is a researcher at the University of Exeter, and she has done two amazing reports for us, which has really looked at the impact of walking the Southwest Coast Path, not only on our physical well-being, but also on our mental well-being. And then you will also be talking to one of our trustees, David Morris, and he is a big advocate for how much the um, value of the path and the blue and the green space can actually actually represent to our own health and well-being. And then you'll be talking to a fellow fundraiser and completer like yourself, Rachel, Paul Sharp, who uh -huh. I have had some uh you know communications with in the past and during during both of your walks and um he will be telling us about his real path to recovery and how much the southwest coast path aided him in that recovery following quite a traumatic experience um of being made redundant during the covid lockdowns I'm really excited to meet all of those guests. As you say, I've had some communications already with Paul, uh, but I haven't met Dr. Peterson and I, I haven't met David Morris as yet. So really excited to meet the guests. And we'll start now with Dr. Carolyn Peterson. Thanks, Aletha. Thanks, Rachel. So in Mental Health Awareness Week, I feel really privileged to have as our first guest today, Dr. Carolyn, Carolyn Peterson, who is a social science and environment researcher at the University of Exeter. So a little bit more of that in a moment. Good afternoon, Carolyn. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm just going to start, Carolyn, by reading a very short sort of biography so our listeners have an understanding of who you are and your connection with the Southwest Coast Path Association. Now, Carolyn is a social science and environmental researcher, as I said, at the University of Exeter. And she's had a really long standing research interest in the coast and the Southwest Coast Path in particular, including on health and well-being, coastal communities, tourism, managed realignment and nature-based solutions. Carolyn was commissioned by the Southwest Coast Path Association to do some research which um, culminated in the health and well-being assessment report which we'll talk about shortly and I'm told that Carolyn in your free time you're found doing lots of very active things by the coast so walking, cycling, running, paddleboarding, bodyboarding or swimming which all sounds absolutely fabulous to me but as I say thanks again Carolyn for joining us. Thank so, you. so I've also read the report that you did for the association, and I found it absolutely fascinating. 
I wonder if we can start by looking at that research and perhaps you could talk us through your findings, particularly with regards to some of the mental health benefits that can be experienced by walking the path. So um, the walking the path is, is really special in lots of ways, but you can, in terms of the benefits, you can break it down into, into different things. So part of it is from the physical activity of walking the path. And as anyone who know, anyone knows who's walked a significant stretch, it really is a physical, really um, sometimes adventurous and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, arduous experience. But um, agreed. So, so the the physical side of it brings enormous benefits. Um, so for our kind of general physical well-being, but also for our mental well-being. Um, so there's um, effects of reducing stress, fatigue, longer term, obviously not the time, maybe um, no. anxiety, no. depression and so on. Um, but there's other sort of more um, less to do with the physical activity but more to do with being in that kind of space is mm. the other sort of psychological well-being benefits um so Absolutely. yeah and and one of the things we were just talking about this earlier i can absolutely agree with everything you said about the physical benefits um but also with the mental health benefits i was astonished to, to when I was reading your report, um, which is incredibly interesting, I would urge everybody who's listening to read it. it it's got some really eye-opening statistics in there as well. But we were talking about the diagram that you've got on, I think, page it's either 14 or 24, I can't remember now, which talks about all those benefits that can affect the different parts of the body physiologically, but also from a mental health perspective as well. And you touched on depression and well-being. Can you tell us a little bit more about that aspect of the benefits? Um, so, I mean, there's lots of research now that um, points to just spending time in um, outdoor spaces in general can can decrease depression, you know, 7%, mm. 9%, you know, they, they these papers um, come up with statistics, but there is a significant effect. Mm. Um, so, I mean, there's different ways that that comes about, really, um, and different things you could attribute that to. Um, but, you know, some of it is about... Um, there are physical benefits of being in outdoor spaces with plants you get um mm. benefits from from phytochemicals um and breathing in clean air and so on so there's yes. things like that and that can have effects on, on beneficial effects on mental health there's something about being in that tr transition between the land and the sea which people mm. talk about as as being beneficial something about being in a place which inspires wonder or awe mm -hmm. you, or, or or that you find beautiful um has benefits obviously some people go to these places to have a kind of adventurous or a physical challenge mm. um and that can bring benefits for mental health in terms of feeling competent, feeling purposeful, feeling a sense of achievement, those kind of things. So it can depend on what people's motivations are for, for going and, and what activities 
they do when they're there as well but there's also something um the research points to you know how like in our everyday lives we're, we're concentrating on things we're looking at a screen or we're mm. reading something and it's maybe not necessarily intrinsically as interesting as it might be but we're having to concentrate on it and we get mm. tired mm. but if we're out in nature we can just be and we can just notice things things can just you know cascade on us and we can just feel interested without having to properly focus and that has a real restorative effect according to the research and to to what people have described so I mean you know you're not you're not bombarded with advertising anymore you're not having to adhere to any sort of social norms you you can just be and I think that's really has a really important effect. I'm so pleased you mentioned that, Carolyn, because that's something that I can really relate to. And that absolutely happened to me. I found it very difficult to um, meditate or relax, particularly in my normal working week, my normal working day. But actually, when I was walking the path, and people said to me, what were you thinking about all that time? What did you think about all the time? I said, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was just able to be. And the privilege for all of us to be able to just be and be aware of everything that's going on around us. And one of the things I loved about research that I was reading of yours was that you talked about the senses. Mm. And I don't think my senses have ever been engaged as much altogether as when I was walking the southwest coast path but I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on that and I know you've done some walking yourself as part of the research you took yourself off to the path I think around Bossington and, and fully immersed yourself in the natural environment how did you your senses respond to spending time in nature in that way yeah I mean it was it was lovely it was it was a day of kind of just escape really for me mm -hmm. but 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 um part of the research as well in a way and I guess I I try to do it normally when I go for a walk but I think it's it's easier somewhere like that when mm. you've got the coast and you've got you know bits of forest or whatever and other things along the way and it was just really you know you could just use all of your senses really easily without without thinking about it um you know the smells the smells of the sea or the plants or um the visuals obviously um and then you know going and dipping your hands in the freezing cold water and just felt really restorative i mean That's... i think that there's a, there's a, been a lot of research on on the benefits of wild swimming and everything as well mm. so and you know has physiological benefits as well as mental health benefits of immersing yourself in that cold water so yeah I have to say I did do that but um, mm. it was September and October which are the warmest months of the sea so I didn't really mm. I wasn't brave enough to do it in March unfortunately probably without a wetsuit but that word that you use there are two words that I'm really interested in that you've used there one is restorative mm. because lots of people have used that word on this podcast and also people that I've spoken to walking the path as well and I think that's a really important thing to remember the powers of the path to be restorative and to yes. to reset us almost yes. uh, and the other word that I found interesting that you used was escape mm. I think lots of people do use walking on the path as an escape from pressures perhaps in their lives and I guess 
the research that you've done um, came up trumps in the, in the fact that, you know, that it, it does have the benefits of allowing us to escape and allowing us to immerse ourselves in a world that isn't all the other things we're tra trapped in. Is that right? Yes, definitely. Yes. If only I had more time for that and less time stuck in front of my computer, that would be good. But yes. Yeah. I think it, it would for all of us, certainly. And was there one piece of, re was there anything that came out of your research, Carolyn, that, that surprised you or that, you um, know? I mean, the whole range of benefits surprised me. There was some lovely research by Sarah Bell, who's at the European Centre for Environment and Human Health, which was, um, it was based on qualitative interviews with people, really detailed stuff. And, and and it was it was lovely to read some of the things that came out of that. And I've I've mentioned some of them already about indirect attention and everything, but just to really understand and see that that range of things and kind of put a name to things maybe that I felt, but not sort of thought about or named. You see what I mean? I do. I do completely. And there is so much to take. Well, I have taken so much from, from that research, but I think one important thing to remember as well is that the benefits can be applicable to everyone. So there are people like me who are crazy and go and do it all in one go, the whole coast path in one go. And, and lots of people do that, but, but actually lots of people just, and we need to encourage more people, I think, to, to just go and do a short section of the path. I know the trailblazing walks, for example, it's just a morning walk or an afternoon walk. And, I don't think you have to walk that much. You certainly don't have to do what I did for there to be benefits. Am I, am I right in thinking that? Absolutely, yes. It's not a time. I mean, I think the benefits are slightly more if, if you are longer, but I think that's in the context of a, of a day trip rather than, a you know, 10 minutes sort of thing. Yes, yes. Um, but I think any time is beneficial, really. And I think one of the one of the great things about our coast in this country is that there are places which are really quite accessible by public mm. transport because mm. they're popular places to go. And I think that that is really special because some of our national parks, for example, are quite hard to get to for, mm. for some some communities if you don't have your own car. Whereas mm -hmm. the coast, you can you can often get as long as you're not right in the middle, you can you can often get there. But it, it's thinking about those access issues as well and making it more accessible for communities who don't normally manage to get out. And I know that's something very much at the heart of what the association mm. wants to do is to make the path accessible to as many people as possible. But the mm. public transport point there is a really good one because mm. I found the public transport system oh fabulous. You know, yes. it was it was great. You could get yes. to to anywhere really that you needed to because people yes. are isolated in that area. And and Caroline, if I can ask you, obviously your specific interest and, and our specific mm. interest is the southwest coast path but yes how can your research be broadened to encompass a wider geographical area so that we can think of mental health benefits in a, in a wider context yeah i mean it, it it's i think it would be lovely to do a, a bigger study of of the whole of the uk coast path i mean mm. i would i would i would love to find funding for a project like that and go I'll bet, absolutely. <laughs> um i don't know who would fund it but hey small details um yeah 
I mean, I think just off the top of my head, really, I mean, there's going to be a lot of similarities, I think, but but there's going to be some really interesting differences in terms of of things like culture and the history mm. of the use of the area, public transport, accessibility, and, you know, even within the UK, huge differences in climate and weather and so on between the south and the, and the very north. So, I mean, I've, I've lived in in England, Wales and Scotland for significant chunks of time. So, so um, I have experienced the coast in, in all three as a, yeah. as a resident. So, yeah. Um, That's interesting because obviously there will be vast differences between, for example, I spent a lot of my childhood holidaying in the Hebrides um, mm. and walking and hill walking in the Hebrides. And that was astonishingly good. Um, mm. But like you say, the culture is very, very different. The history mm. is very, very different. But I think that's where my love for the outdoors first began. And I think wherever you are in the coast, wherever you are in the UK, or indeed probably for most mm. parts of the world, but you know those health benefits, those mental health benefits are, are significant. And I think traditionally, people may have looked at walking as purely a physical activity. And I know it's, I feel it's so good that we are now redressing that mm. and thinking about the mental health benefits as well. And we have green prescriptions now as well, don't we? Yes, yes. I don't know, do you know anything about those um, or more, more than I do? <laughs> so I know that in certain areas, I think um, certain counties have taken it on more on board and are and are prescribed i mean i think it's happening in 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 devon i know it's happening more in somerset is that you know you go to your doctor and rather than prescribing an antidepressant or whatever mm. the doctor can have an option of of signposting you to an organization which might do guided walks or it mm. might do outdoor conservation work or there's lots of different options um and I think it, I mean, I think it's wonderful. I would put a caveat at that, mm -hmm. that there has to be appropriate support there. If it's somebody with a mental health issue, it needs to be, they need to be signposted appropriately of course. to a group that has that expertise and, you know, with the pressure on our mental health and health mm. service, mm maybe that needs to be thought about really carefully but um yeah in general i think it's wonderful there have been some i've read some wonderful examples um and i think um it's becoming a role within gp surgeries as well to have mm. a kind of community connector or social prescriber who 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 knows about all the different opportunities and can signpost people to what they might find most interesting or appropriate yeah i i've i've read about that too and what also interests me is the preventative side of things so perhaps before people are at a point where they have mental health difficulties i know i, I live in landlocked warwickshire which is extremely frustrating but um for example in my local town there is a, a facebook group that is men who walk and talk and it's been fabulous to watch it started with three or four men getting together at six o'clock um on an evening once a week and just it's open to anyone it's free and the health benefits of that the well-being benefits of that have been significant mm. i know from talking to to one of the people involved but i'm sure you know there are groups like that available um 
all around and, and that can be preventative as well as as Definitely. um a cure perhaps yeah um sorry can, can i yeah of course go, go can ahead i just say that that was one of the key things that came out of the research which i haven't mentioned was was the the social interaction the way that people can it it can kind of combine they can either meet friends or family and and go on a walk together or mm -hmm. even if you go on your own you tend to fall into conversation with somebody along the way and go oh where does the path go is it just you know there's there's really natural opportunities to talk and meet with people along the way and I think it really does you know going into outdoor spaces in general but I think the coast path in has its own particular way of of encouraging social interaction and I think the research also says that people who spend more time outdoors tend to have a higher level of social well-being and social mm. cohesion they just there's some effect there of if you're outside more you you find your way in the social landscape better as well as the environmental landscape so that's it that doesn't surprise yeah. me at all, Carolyn. I know, again, on my walk, people thought I'd be lonely. I was worried I'd be lonely. But people do communicate. People do engage, particularly when they can see you're a walker. And yes. I was astonished by not just the communication and the engagement, but also the kindness of other people. And it's incredibly comforting to know that people are kind and people will want to engage so that was a really positive experience for me and I'm sure mm. for everyone who who is walking on the path as well mm. Karen where can people find your research so it's on the Southwest Coast Path Association website um okay. there's there's two reports on there now one more focuses on the physical side and one more on the mental mental health side so yeah well that's fabulous on and the website that I would urge people to go to that and read that. I've literally, um, I enjoy reading anyway, but I found the research fascinating and incredibly encouraging as someone who walks myself. So I would urge people to read it. Um, Caroline, just before we, we wrap up, I, I always ask guests on the podcast to sort of uh, rapid fire questions. Have you got a favourite stretch at the Southwest Coast Bar? It's a really hard question. I know, I know. <laughs> Everybody says so, that. So... I think I'm going to go for a I'm going to go for a bit that's near me and then I'm going to go for an overall bit if that's okay. Sure. Of so course. the bit near me which I find myself going to the most is around Budley Salterton is mm -hmm. is that bit along there. Um it's just beautiful with the 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 landscape and otter head and everything. Yes. Um and the my overall bit I walked with the family from Trayanan Bay near oh. near Padstow to through um Porthcothan and to yeah. Bedroof and Steps on a low tide day when you could walk down. I'm not even sure you can get down now because I think the steps you can't are you can't yeah they are and we yeah. had a couple of hours on the beach and walked back and that has to be my overall favorite. It was the the views are just amazing. Well, you're in good company, Carolyn, because until I did my 630 mile walk, that was also my favourite stretch. It probably mm. still is, to be honest, but I have a joint favourite as well now. But that yes. absolutely was my favourite. And Budley Salterton, um, Tony from the Cozy Teapot um, was someone who on my very first day up in Linton, um, 
said hello to me and he was one of the first people who was engaging and communicating with me in that social way we were just talking about and you've just reminded me of him um because he he ran a cafe in Budley Salterton runs a cafe I think and um and I popped and saw him when I passed through Budley Salterton as well which was fantastic but exactly the kind of thing we were just talking about and and final question then Caroline single word even harder question a single word to describe the path so I would describe it as breathtaking and, and for two reasons, yes. because the views are amazing and also because the uphill stretches really do <laughs> take your breath away as well. <laughs> Completely concur with that. I can uh, I can vouch for that as well. Well, Caroline, thanks so much for chatting with us today. It's been absolutely fascinating listening to what you have to say. And as I say, the research has has really enlightened me so I would urge people to read it but um, thank you so much and um, I'm sure we'll hear from you again thanks Caroline thank you well following on from that fascinating conversation with Caroline there I'm absolutely delighted to have with me two guests now today we have Paul Sharp and we have Professor David Morris, and I will tell you a little bit about each in turn, and then we'll be chatting over the next 15 or 20 minutes or so to see um, how they both have an input into this really important topic. So first of all, we'll be chatting with David, Professor David Morris, who is Emeritus Professor of Mental Health, Inclusion and Community. And then we'll be chatting with Paul Sharp, Paul is a graphic designer and um, all things ecology, I think it's fair to say, more of that shortly. David's career has been in community engagement, mental health and social inclusion with both the local and central governments. He's worked in social care, the NHS, voluntary capacity and university sectors. David's committed to contributing to the association's aim to maximise the value of the path and the blue and green spaces that we were just talking about with Carolyn and how they represent health, well-being, and recovery. So first of all, David, welcome and thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you, Rachel. It's great to have you here, David. And as a practitioner in the mental health arena, what was it that inspired you to become a volunteer for the association in the first place? Well, I haven't been a practitioner for some time mm-hmm. but um i'm i have a long career interest in uh, mental health and social inclusion and i've pursued that through throughout my career wherever i've i've been really um i walked the path over quite a long period of uh, years actually but uh, on the basis of a few days in the spring and a few days in the autumn over about seven years and um uh it was as impressive for me as it was for pretty much everybody else who has walked it. And I often ask myself the question at various points on the path, if you could do this, why wouldn't you? And of course, there is an answer to that, or there are many answers to that. A lot of people do not feel um, able or comfortable in doing uh, this, this walk or sections of it. And I wanted to... Um, use my experience, knowledge and and value base, really, um, in trying to advance 
um, some solutions to that, some ideas about it um, from the work that I that I done on social inclusion and community engagement, actually. So uh, I became a trustee. And it's really in that sort of capacity I'm, I'm, I'm speaking now, though with the benefit of having done work over many years around these issues. And it's interesting because you actually haven't heard as yet my conversation with Carolyn that will all be put together in the podcast episode, but you used the word engagement there. And that was something that we've very much been talking about and people encouraging people to become engaged on the path and accessibility for people to to get to the path and to feel that they can walk either one mile or 630 miles. But would you say that you are a great believer in the the benefits of of the path and this this walk, um, however long, in terms of mental health and, and mental health benefits? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I know Carolyn's work and the report will be um, sent out recently with a with a covering letter from I think it might be from me actually um, commending the work that uh, this represents, um, and of course what it does is um, speak to the very robust uh, evidence base there is for mm. connection between walking this path as 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 with many others but this path and health and well being so I. Um, I think it makes a very compelling contribution to that literature. Um, I think just as important, though, are the the stories, the qualitative research, as we um, sort of refer to it, the stories of pe that people um, uh, give as a result of their experience. And I think those stories are very important for continuing to develop the evidence base for the path and what it does for people's health and well-being. I do think that um, we need to diversify and broaden uh, the ways in which we understand the benefits of the path. I think uh, long may it continue that people are lauded for walking 630 miles um, in splendid isolation if they choose to. But I think just as importantly, we need to think about the barriers to people engaging with the path for even quite short distances mm. um, because of uh, existing mental health problems. And this is not necessarily the same thing as universal well-being, which we all have um, an aspiration to achieve. But there are many people, um, Paul will no doubt testify to this from his experience, that uh, who, who really... Um, for a variety of reasons, do not feel comfortable engaging in this activity in isolation, uh, a sort of, um, you know, a kind of heroic isolation. Which, uh, it's often portrayed in that way. Um, soon after I became um, uh, uh, um, a, um, became involved with the uh, Southwest Coast Path Association as um, as a trustee. I, I had a, a bereavement, a very major bereavement, and um, it changed a lot for me. And one of the things that people talked about a great deal was how helpful it was to deal with um, grief through walking uh, paths like the Southwest Coast Path. And while I could agree with that, I, I couldn't, I didn't want to do it, not on my own. And it was some while before I did do it. And it just confirmed to me the importance of walking for 
the consolation of being with others, the development of your social networks and the social solidarity that sometimes it represents where, you know, as individuals, we don't necessarily achieve that. I completely agree. And I'm going to come back to you on one of the points you made there, David, about broadening the impact in terms of mental health. But you've mentioned stories and it seems a really important point to bring Paul into this conversation. Um, if I can introduce Paul, um, if I can introduce you, Paul, Paul has, has been a Southwest Coast Path walker since 2007. Um, Paul is a lifelong wildlife enthusiast, gardener, birder, botanist. He's also, as I mentioned earlier, a graphic designer, and he, he was a graphic designer for 37 years when I think it's fair to say, Paul, that your, your world pretty much fell apart. Um, your business closed. 40 or so people in the business were made redundant. And then after some sort of rather disheartening treatment from your employer at the time, depression set in, you then had a series of other um, shocking events in your life, really, Paul, that, that led you eventually to the path. So, Paul, can I just bring you in at this point just to, you know, add, if you want, a little bit to, to that, that introduction or to tell us a little bit more about why you walked the Southwest Coast Path? Yes, I mean, you summed it up really well there with you know, the background, but I got to that point where I had, I just couldn't, couldn't cope with anything. Everything became such that grief, like David was saying, a different sort of grief. It's not a bereavement, but it's the same sort of grief of the whole world is disrupting in such a way that it's just slowly wears you down. And it was over a, a, quite a long time, you know, nearly two years, uh, this build-up with it all falling apart. And bit by bit, it just got worse and worse and worse. And I thought I was strong, but slowly it wears you down. It wears your, your motivation, your morale. And it got to such a point that I really needed help. And I asked my boss and that he basically terminated my contract and his, my colleague had also um, just lost his sister through suicide. And he also terminated his contract the day before her funeral. So I was appalled by this and that sent me over the edge. That was the end as far as I was concerned. So I was in this lost place, uh, signed off by a doctor uh, and he went, he was brilliant. He went through the NHS guidelines of what depression was, what anxiety was. And I had no idea. As you go through the symptoms and the questions, my score was quite high and I didn't really realise how bad I was. And that's the, that's the problem, particularly with men. They don't really realise why they're in such a low mood or not sleeping well. It's all these little things add up and you go, oh yeah, I'm not sleeping or I'm doing this or I'm always thinking about stuff. And that's got to me to a point where I was just totally broken. And I couldn't see a way forward. And the only thing I wanted to do was escape. And because I know the coast path so much, that was kind of my only focus. And that was really how it all started. I just started, I had three months where I was signed off. So I just researched, trained, looked into all the logistics, tested myself out every day by training. And bit by bit, I got myself ready. And by the time April came, I took that leap of faith. And that was how it all started. So I ended up in Minehead on Good Friday and uh, didn't know what to expect. It was an adventure and I was terrified. I was not calm, but I just want to take each day as a time, one step at a time. And slowly but surely, I got 
more and more calm as I got into a new routine and leaving everything else behind. And I think it was really just removing all my problems. They, they hadn't gone away, but it gives you time to reflect. Or so I thought. Well, as you know, when you walk in the coast path, there's so much to look at. You don't have time to think about yourself. You're looking at the views. You're looking at the floor so you don't trip over. Um, the wildlife, everything just becomes so, you're so occupied by it. it. It distracts you. It distracts your worries. And that was, day by day, I felt better and better and better. Although I had tough days, that exhaustion also helped me sleep a bit more. So... There's so many elements that were already at play within within the first week. And like David was saying, the inclusion and isolation. I wanted to be on my own. I didn't want to have, be involved with people. I'd withdrawn from society to a certain degree. But as soon as you start walking, you meet other walkers who are also on their own journey. And we've all got our own stories. So you start sharing stuff. And some of mine was, you know, day to day we're talking to people. And slowly I started talking again and I met a, a, a gentleman called Mark and a, a doctor called Leslie and they were walking and she started getting me talking within day three. And that was the start because I couldn't even talk about what I had. So that's how the opening week started off. And then I, I met someone else in Clavelli and on and on and on. I improved bit by bit each week. So, yeah, it's it, there's so many ways the path can help you. What's really interesting is that, David, you talked about engagement, you used that word, and, and inclusion, isolation. Paul, you've talked about getting into a rhythm, but you've also talked about escape. Neither of you can have possibly known the conversation that I had with Carolyn just, just earlier this morning, but those are exactly the topics we were talking about and exactly the topics that, that have been very evident in the research that she's done. So it's fascinating to hear you both talk from personal experiences about those things. And I can also add my um, own experience in that, you know, it, it was very much a, journey of of discovery from feeling in one particular way or in one place whether that's been trapped or, or not to becoming something else by the end of that process whether or not people are doing 630 miles or not it might be just just a day I, I'm interested to know David do you have any points you you just wanted to pick up on from what Paul was saying well I think Paul's um, Paul's story um, enriches the notion that actually the path works for different people in different ways, and we're all individuals. And yeah, sometimes we uh, we, we can't confront easily the engagement of others, and at other times we can't bear to be without it. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, we need to acknowledge uh, both these dimensions and the many in between as um, ways of defining what the path means and therefore how we can optimize its value. I think it's hard to over overstate the importance of community and community engagement, whatever we mean by community. And of course, we, you know, different things are meant by it. But um, my own view is that um, we, we have to look constructively at how our activity as walkers of the path, or even as people who are interested in the path, how it can work in terms of generating richer community and social 
connections. Um, I was, uh, at one point in my career, I was leading um, a national program on social inclusion and mental health, which came out of the social exclusion unit in the mid 2000s. And there was a, always uh, to be a very strong emphasis on that criterion of it, uh, inclusion that is about having a job and having, having employment. Um, for me, that was always important as somebody employed, but actually it was only part of the story. The other part of the story is community participation and enabling people to be included in their communities. And that makes a big difference. And mm. it makes people feel, uh, I think, very often affirmed. So uh, it's um, something we need to, to bear in mind when we talk about the path in relation to the communities of walkers and the communities to which they belong. I agree. And as you mentioned, community can mean different things to different people. And I, I don't know, Paul, whether you would agree, but I experienced, and I'm sure, David, you will have done as well, so many different types of community. Community from the villages that you've passed through, through to groups that the Southwest Coast Path Association works with, those communities, through to, I mean, I even refer to finding my tribe. I genuinely feel like I found my tribe when I did this walk and when I learned more about the path and the areas that it was passing through because I felt I was slowly, very slowly belonging to a group. I don't know if either of you experienced that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what David was saying as well, it, it, First thing it did, it gave me a sense of purpose. I got 45 days where I knew what I was doing. So there was some structure. And it doesn't have to be 45 days, as David said. It could be an hour. It could be a day, mm. a week. You can do it however you want to do it, whether you're walking, running, taking the dog for a walk, you know, camping, B&B, so, solo groups. It's so flexible. The path can be whatever you want to be. Now, what made the difference to me was, actually getting involved with the charity. And how I got involved with a guy in February I was training who was doing a charity a bike ride all over the country for a whole year, a retired teacher. And he said, do it for charity. It will give you a whole new dimension to your walk. And I thought, so I thought, what's charity? What well, people choose, say, cancer research or conservation or something that's close to them. And then my, one thing that came close to me was, wasn't any of those it was the coast path because i've known it for so long it was giving me a chance it was kind of like my hope in a way so then i, I contacted the southwest coast path station and aletha and christy were brilliant mm. and what that did i didn't realize at the time was i had a qr code on the back saying what i was trying to do and people stopped me in pubs i didn't go in pubs every day one day every day but when i was on the path i'd have to then communicate with people because I was trying to raise money for the, the path so I had to talk to people if I hadn't have done that for the charity I probably would have been a bit more of a recluse and not opened up and not got talking to people but if I didn't I wasn't going to raise any real money a little bit from social media but most of it was by people I met on the path whether they were walking it themselves or whether it was just general public just having a little stroll and I think that made the difference for me. It started getting me to connect with people. Mm. So in that way, I was dealing with that bit about trying to be more sociable again. But also I was exhausting myself 
through frustration and anger of what had happened to me. So it was, there's different things at play all the time. And also the nature was really keeping me involved, communicating with everyone through social media on a daily basis about what it was really like to walk the path day after day after day. In all the weathers, you had no choice. You had to keep going. And what wildlife you saw through the season. So I think that really kept me so busy. It, it just enriched my life again and started to reinvigorate things, get my interest back. So, yeah, David's right. There's so many things that need it can be incorporated into the path. It's just finding them or letting people know what they could do. Yeah, and different people will find different things. You you talked about the association there, Paul, and how you raise money, and I did the same on my walk. Um, obviously, the Southwest Coast Bath Association is celebrating its 50th year anniversary this year, and they have some fantastic initiatives going on, some of which I'm taking part in very soon. I'm sure you both are as well. David, can I ask you what because it's the 50th anniversary what specific opportunities do you think that might provide for us to all broaden the impact of this superb national trail on mental health well i think it'll multiply exposure to the path by hopefully a, a significant amount people will it will attract more interest people will become more conscious of it um I think the diversity of the path and people's experience of the path will become more evident. The, the, the photography exhibition will raise the profile of the path, if it needs further raising actually, around the, uh, um, the representation of it in art, because there is a lot and, and, and that's fantastic. Um, I, I think that it marks, the 50th marks um, a, a real opportunity to take stock of the amazing things which um, have happened through the path. The amazing things actually, which is the association uh, and everybody involved in it have, have managed to do. Um, but it also sets a course, I think, for the things that um, we need to do more of, which is consolidating the research that Car Caroline and others have produced, developing the ability to understand clearly what the, the benefits of the path are and articulating those because through that means we generate a profile of the path which can be financially beneficial for us as we link in with um, health and uh, social care organisations and so on through activity on things like social prescribing. So um, I think that, um, and, and in the process, we need to use it as an opportunity to, to, to further um, develop the voices of people who give their own um, evidence to the experience of this path and what it means. I I agree. And you've mentioned that. You've mentioned the two aspects and two angles, the research, but also people's own voices. And I think those two things are so complementary. I think the idea of you know, understanding the research and getting the research out there and communicating that, but actually it's people's stories, it's Paul's story, you know, it's 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 our stories and different people's lived experiences that perhaps might resonate even more with people on, on their experiences or, or, of accessing the path in any shape. And I, and I say again, I think whether that's a mile or 630 miles, I don't think that matters. We were talking earlier, I was talking earlier with Caroline about the fact that those 
those benefits, those mental health benefits are huge, whatever your your approach to walking is. You know, you don't have to go and do the whole lot in one go. I wonder if I could ask you, no, go on, David. Uh, just yeah, just to just to come back there for a moment, if, mm. if I could, Rachel, to say that I wouldn't want to suggest that um, the accounts of, of of people who have used the path doesn't count as research. I think the, the, the point is to say that research has to have both a metrical, um, you yeah. know, quantitative dimension and a qualitative, qualitative. dimension, which is to do with people's stories. And we we all know that despite what is our, what we hear about how policy is formed, we know that the stories of, of individuals can change policy mm. and can have a, a dramatic impact, as dramatic at times as the, uh, uh, as the um, you know, the more formal uh, quantitative data approach can. That's a really important point you've made there, David. I was, I was next going to ask what you might both say with a sort of... <laughs> top mental health benefits of walking the Southwest Coast Path. You'll both have very different experiences of that, but Paul, you don't necessarily need to give a top three, but have you, from your lived experience, you know, was there anything surprising that came out as a benefit or have you got a top three benefits perhaps? Uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing I would say is, the first surprise was I was too busy to think about all my problems which I thought I'd have time to think. So that was just the, a little tiny shock. That's the first. I mean, just being outside and immersing yourself in nature. And I know we're saying about how to connect with nature, but how do you connect with nature? That's the that's the other thing. But the only way I can see is, is you're, you're outside in the elements. You know, you've got the terrain, you've got the plant life, you've got the birds. And that's what I try to portray. Is because a lot of people just say, oh, that's, a, that's just a bit of grass, that's just a plant, that's a bird. But the more you understand about it the more you get connected with it so a bird song i mean the soundtrack of the coast path there's there's three birds that were there for the whole 630 miles in the spring and everyone else would just think oh, that's just just bird you know but when you start to know which birds they are i say oh there we go again that's that stone chat or the black cap or the white throat and it with the sea in the background i i didn't need a playlist i had the playlist every single day and that, even that, was, I didn't want to miss out on it. You know, I didn't want to put music. I sent my, my headphones back on, I think, week three, you know. So I didn't listen to the woods. And I think it's that immersion hmm. just focuses. There's so much to look at. It's, it's stimulation overload, really. You can, you can just see so much going on. You just, every day is a, good, a great view. Every minute is a different view. As you will know, and uh, and I think that kind of thing just keeps it alive. Even after two hundred and sixty miles, I was still saying "Wow" when I went around the corner or the headland, and I think that's the beauty of it. But when David was just saying, you know, you can there's bits of coast path that are easily they're flat and easy to get to, and there's bits that are impossible to get to unless you walk a long way. But there's benefits from both. It's accessible in different areas for different people. Um, so I think that's the way of getting people included a bit more. You know, there are bits that are really sort of friendly for people that have got mobility issues, for example. Sure. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, the mental health point of view, it just helps. It helps every day. It's just getting a routine and feeling that you're 
every step you're getting a bit closer. You've got a target mm. for that day. I think that's a kind of another benefit. And and what have you got anything that you would add or feel slightly differently about David in terms of your top top benefits? Well, no, I agree. I agree. I agree pretty much with Paul. Actually, I mean the the, the ever changing nature of the uh, of the path and the, the 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 sense impressions you get at different points around different bends and different bits of uh, of the landscape is 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 quite uh, miraculous. I think uh, uh, one thing I would say is that um, path has a lot to say about people's well being. But the <clears throat> the idea of well-being is seems a bit sometimes to be rather rooted in a kind of um, well-being is something that that is there to be preserved. We've all got it and we want to preserve it, or uh, we've lost it a bit and we want to regain it. And I think that those are very important aspects of what the path can deliver. But I also think that we have to attend to. Um, the recovery potential of the path, mm -hmm. the way in which, as Paul has so you know powerfully articulated, really that 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 the path can help people who have fallen well the wrong side of good mental health to recover, and um, this is something which you know we're sometimes inclined to overlook as we try to quite rightly normalise mental ill health by referring to it very often as well-being and creating um, little to distinguish the two. So I think I think we need to think about recovery as a powerful driver for what the path can achieve through the, the very ways that Paul has um, enunciated, really. And I would also agree, concur with what you have both said, and I won't repeat it because I actually said it earlier to, to Carolyn, but it's about that immersion and that, um, you know, not having time to perhaps address what you thought you were going to be addressing every minute of the day, but it's immersion in, in something that completely removes you from that. It would be fascinating to, to talk all day, perhaps, but um, we're going to have to bring this to a close. Um, one of the th things we ask all our guests on this show is to just tell us your favourite section of the path. And I know that's really difficult for both of you. It's a really difficult question to everyone. But if you're only allowed one favourite section, what would that be, David? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it it is really hard, isn't it? I I I found it extremely difficult. I I'm like Paul. I'm a bird watcher. Unlike Paul, I'm probably a I'm a bad bird watcher. I'm not very good. I've only got a, a limited stock of knowledge. But rounding the rounding the lizard and seeing the chuffs was a real highlight for me. I'd never seen chuffs before, and it kind of made that section of the walk gave it a sort of in, indelibility really for me. And um, so I think I've, 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 as I've gone all the way around, I've thought back many times to the the days, um, or the day actually, that, that we're walking around Lizard. So I'm gonna say Lizard, but it's closely contested. I, I completely uh, feel, feel for that sentiment. Paul? Well, yeah, so typical for me, but where it all started for me was same times to Zena and really all of Penwith, but I would go with St. Ives to Zena because it's tough. And if you can do that, it doesn't really get much diff more difficult than that. And I think 
I enjoy it. I enjoy the ruggedness of it. And I've heard mm. people really enjoy it. I've heard people really moan about it. And it's really interesting to see people's different opinions about it. So definitely, that's that's my favourite. And I'll be doing it in a few weeks' time as well. So. It is. Climbing over those boulders is yes. uh, something to behold. It really is. And an even harder question just to finish on. One word to sum up the path. Let's go back to you, Paul. Oh, um, it's going to be and the word hilly is so simple because it is hilly. There's a lot of ascents and descents, a lot of steps, I think 26,000, if I remember rightly. And a, 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 another walker that was doing a charity walk uh, at the same time as me called Joe, I walked with quite a few days and she was a great inspiration. We always had a bit of a joke about how you found it. And her answer was hilly or amazing. <laughs> they were the two words she used all the time. So that's why I chose hilly. I don't think anyone could describe the path as not hilly, that's for sure. So hilly certainly sums up pretty much every section. David, what <laughs> word would you choose? Well, I chose affirming. It was the first word that came to mind. I mean, I, I, um, it, there's plenty of time to think on the coast path, isn't there? And um, there is. I felt affirming summed up the variety of ways in which um, I've been stimulated to think about the path. So it's affirming of life, obviously. It's affirming of um, the preciousness of our environment. Um, it, it, I think it affirms the status of our shared humanity in a way, and um, our responsibility, um, our communities, and it affirms our roles and responsibilities to have some agency in keeping this as good as it can be for everybody who uses it and will use it. Thank you. Absolutely. Very wise, wise musings there, David. I think you'll both be astounded, or perhaps not actually, when you hear the whole podcast episode, but you will realise that we have very much affirmed, if I can use your word, um, what Dr Peterson was saying on the earlier chat. And as you will know, it's Mental Health Awareness Week this week. So very fitting for this podcast to be created in that week. But can I thank you both for your time today? Because I think it's really important for people to understand what we've been talking about. It's a, it's a really essential topic. And perhaps if we can have highlighted the fact for just a few people that by, you know, walking any section of this path, they, they may achieve some benefits that they previously hadn't thought were possible. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences, both of you. Um, I do think you'll particularly enjoy listening to the whole podcast when it drops. And um, yeah, enjoy the rest of your week. And I might see some of you on some of the trailblazing walks. I'm not sure, but I hope so. But thank you ever so much again. Well, thank you so much to all our guests, to Carolyn, to David and to Paul. I have really enjoyed, as I say, every month chatting and meeting with our guests. But what was particularly interesting this month was to hear about the research from Carolyn and then see how that's put into practice and chatting with Paul and with David. So I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. 
The 50th anniversary trailblazing walks are now well underway. We've had some fantastic groups walking along the North Coast and the South Coast walks start very soon or have already started. The next episode is going to be live from the path. And on a personal note, I am so excited to be getting back down the motorway onto the path and keeping the sea on my right again and podcasting live from the path. So the next episode that you hear will be interviews with lots of people who are taking part in those trailblazing walks. So I hope you'll join us then. And thank you for listening.